Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. For every person in this room, I want you to know that this has been ordained. This has been prayed up. Uh, We didn't just come up with this at the end of August and say, why don't we do this? This is something that's been in the making for a while. And I believe that the reason that Say Yes has been in the making for a while is because God knew you were going to be here. And God knew that there were some of you, maybe all of us, who have been in a season of being comfortable and saying, well, yeah, somebody should do that. Maybe we've been in a season of saying, yeah, God, one day. Maybe we've been in a season of saying, no, God, I'm not doing that. But today starts a brand new season. And that brand new season that starts today is a season of yes in your life. What's it going to look like when you put away your fear, quit worrying about what everybody thinks, quit worrying about where the resources are going to come from, quit worrying about everything that is holding you back. What does it look like when Almighty God puts the door in front of you and your simple answer before God is yes? We're going to talk about that today. I want to read some scripture to you and then we're going to pray in just a moment. Got a new series memory verse for you. We're going to put this on the screen. All right, a little bit easier this time. I saw the uh, look in y'all's eyes last month as you glazed over every time we got to this place. So maybe this one will be one that's a little bit more familiar. And I'm going to keep challenging you on this. I'm just going to start getting my phone out and walking up to people and say, hey, let's do that memory verse thing, right? No, I'm not going to do that. But learn it anyway. Get it down inside of you. When you get the word of God down inside of you, down in your heart, your mind, your spirit, when you memorize verses of scripture, when you don't have a Bible around you, when somebody comes up and asks you a question, the scripture comes back out of you. When you go through the struggles of life, the scripture is right there. So our verse this morning, let me read it and then we'll repeat it together. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. By the end of September, we're going to know this verse. Say it, say it with me. Let's read it together. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, let me give you a little context. I want to, I want to go to our main passage of scripture. That's where we're going to be coming back to this morning, but let's put it into a bigger context. I want to read to you Ephesians two verses four through 10, uh, where this scripture comes from. Um, this is written by the apostle Paul writing to a church in Ephesus, uh, a new group of believers. And he is the, he is the apostle. He's the pastor. He's the church planner who has started this church in Ephesus and he is giving them instructions for how to live their lives. And with that, there's some amazing theology in Ephesians chapter two. So if you're someone who has ever been confused about how it is that I can be saved, what does it mean to be saved? What does God want for me in my life. Listen to this from Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 10. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, everybody say rich in mercy. mercy. God, who is rich in mercy, made us 
alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. That means that while we were still sinners, while we were deep in, in all of the sinfulness of our human condition, Jesus loved us even at our worst and died for us so that we could be alive in him. It says, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Man, there's a whole sermon on the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And here we go, man. Verse eight, holy smokes. This is where salvation takes place. It is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. <clears throat> Holy Spirit of God, I thank you with everything in me for these verses that show us that it's your grace that gives us life. It is your mercy that allows us to have access to you. It is your incomparable uh, gift, God, that, that you have given to us, the incomparable riches of your grace. God, you look on our human condition, our sinfulness, our brokenness, our selfishness, all these things that we want for ourselves, and you look past it and you forgive us, and I thank you for that, God. But God, it's more than just being saved and being welcomed into your kingdom. You have invited us into your kingdom so that we can be part of the work that you're doing. I just ask you, Lord, as you fill this room with your spirit today, that you pierce our hearts, God, in this new season of say yes. God, help us to hear from you and help us to get a clarity. God, we're not asking people to just blindly follow you. We're pointing today to the why behind the what. The why of why we follow you is because of who you are and the grace that you've shown us. You will show us the what that you would have us to do. We ask you to do that clearly. God, once again this morning, we ask you to do the impossible. Do what only you can do in our time together today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, amen. So we are starting a new series of messages called Say Yes. And today I want to talk to you from a message I'm calling Practicing Christians. Practicing Christians. Um, let me explain why I'm calling it to you, uh, practicing Christians. They're going to put a chart on the, on the screen behind me, um, a graph maybe, possibly. If I pray about it right now, maybe it'll, there we go. Praise the Lord. Um, this is, this is from Barna Group. Uh, Barna Group does studies in the church and shows a lot of trends, and they're well-known in church circles about being kind of the research group. And so how Americans relate to Christianity is changing, and we're looking at 2000 to 2020. At the top, you see red, practicing Christian. Blue is non-practicing Christian, and the yellow or orange, whatever that is, is non-Christian. If you look at 2000, the red line, you see at 45% of Christians considered themselves in 2000 to be practicing Christians. Uh, 35% considered themselves to be non-practicing Christians. And in 2000, 20% of Americans, which is heartbreaking, in 2000 considered themselves not to be a Christian at all. If you fast forward all the way to the end, look at what happens with the line. The red line that, that peaked at 50% uh, of practicing Christians in 09 dramatically falls off. And by 2020, Barna's research shows that only 25% of Americans consider themselves to be practicing Christians. Now, now, what is a practicing Christian? Well, you're practicing Christianity right now. 
Practicing Christians are people who, who would actively go to church, who would believe in things like tithing, uh, maybe would be in a group, would do, would do any of this, serve in a ministry, <clears throat> living out their faith. What is a non-practicing Christian? Well, before I answer that, look at what has happened. That, that non-practicing Christian line drops down to about 28% in 05. And then look what happens by 2020, 18, 19, 20. That thing goes up to like 45, 43%. 45% of Americans consider themselves to be non-practicing Christians by 2020. Can you imagine if that's only gotten worse in the last three years? And then the middle line there at the end, 32% of Americans consider themselves to be non-Christian. Well, if I put the 43 and the 32, that gives me 75% of Americans consider themselves to be non-practicing Christians or not Christians at all. 75%. But can I go back to this thing of a non-practicing Christian? It's kind of an oxymoron, wouldn't you say? Non-practicing Christian, how could that even be a thing? Like, like a Christian, by definition, is someone who has, has surrendered their life to following Jesus. And I'm not saying this in a broad context. I'm saying this in a very specific context. What I mean by that is I'm saying this to you. I'm asking you right now where you are in this. And I get it that you're at church, but so many people are convinced that I'm a Christian because I said a prayer. What are you doing with your faith other than coming to church? Because a non-practicing Christian says, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I've been saved. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I don't really do anything with it. Like I don't really go to church. I don't tell anybody about my faith. How could that be? If a person doesn't share their faith, if a person doesn't pray, doesn't read the Bible, doesn't follow Jesus, doesn't do the things that Jesus has called us to do, is that person following Jesus? What would you say? <clears throat> I would not disagree with you. I would not disagree with you. And so today, it breaks my heart to see this that says 75% of our nation I mean, does that bother you, man? I was talking with uh, uh, one of my friends the other day, and he said he was, I forget what state he was in, Texas maybe somewhere, and he was telling someone that, that he was from Danville, Virginia. And the guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know Danville. I've been to Danville. He said, oh, yeah, how do you know Danville? Oh, I was part of a group of people. We went on a mission trip to Danville, Virginia. What? A mission trip to Danville. Do you know that countries all over the world are sending missionaries to the United States? How could that be? Man, this is a nation, one nation under God. One nation who has forgotten God is more like it. One nation who has walked away from God. One nation who has said, yeah, we'll put his name on the back of our money, but we're not going to trust him. We're not going to follow him. We're not going to surrender to him. <clears throat> non-practicing Christian, how could such a thing even exist? Well, I want to talk to you about that today because I can't change America. But with God's grace, with God's help, I want to challenge this congregation. I want this church to be a light in the city of Danville. Jesus said you will know them by the way that they love one another, by the way that we love one another. And if we're people who this side of the room can't talk to that side of the room and, and this front part can't, can't get along with the back part, what are we doing? 
Jesus has called us to love one another. The love that we have for one another here will spread out to the world around us. And my job as a shepherd, as a pastor over this group, is to say to you, do you know this Jesus that we follow? Do you understand his grace, his mercy, the un, un, unmerited favor that he's given us, the unconditional love? And how are we going to be okay with going through our day-to-day -day lives and just doing what we do and not following him? Well, I want to take us into three short things, uh, quick, brief, simple little message this morning based on our memory verse. I want to show you three, three, three things from Ephesians 2.10, and then I have a challenge for you this morning. Um, three things in Ephesians 2.10. So the first thing is simply this. Uh, I am the product of God's work. I am the product of God's work. So we read in Ephesians 2.10, I'm just going to break this into three chunks. In the first chunk that we see, it says simply, for we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Um, last Sunday, maybe some of you came downtown. I was down on Main Street and we had an event called Bikes on Main. A lot of different motorcycle groups showed up downtown, bikes lining on both sides of the street. And man, some of the motorcycles that you'd see coming in there, it is just obvious that, that somebody absolutely loved that bike and put, put tons of money into it, tons of time, creativity, thought up all of these bizarre, uh, imaginative ways to create a motorcycle. And they made those motorcycles. What, what do you know about that? Well, you know that someone was passionate about it. Somebody enjoyed the work. Somebody didn't mind investing in building that motor motorcycle. When God thought up the idea of you, so you're not random. God chose you. God created you with a purpose. You are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. <clears throat> You've seen bumper stickers that say, God don't make no junk. Well, somebody needs to hear that this morning because you are a somebody that God made and God didn't make any junk when he made you. And life may be hard right now. Maybe you've made bad decisions that have brought consequences, but God has not forgotten you. You are God's workmanship. And he, he, he put passion into you. He made an investment in you. He enjoyed creating you. And no matter what you've been through, because of where you are right now, he still loves you. And his plan is not, has not been fulfilled. He has so much more that he wants to do in your life. We are God's workmanship. You know what else God created? Put this in context. The same God that created you is the God who created all of creation. And in Genesis 1.31, it says, God said he looked at all that he had made and it was very good. Well, guess what you are? You are part of all that God has made. You know what that makes you at your very core? You were created by God and at your very core, you are very good. Now let's not make no mistakes about it. You got some evil tendencies in you. Look at the person beside of you. Go ahead and tell them. He talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to know, man, look, that's enough now. Stop. Cut it out. You stop right now. You stop it. You were not created by some hack, right? God didn't just have a box of spare parts and he threw you together. He, he, you, you, are, you, are, you are a masterpiece and you're not created by some hack, man. You're not even created by a good craftsman. You're created by the master craftsman. And he didn't make a mistake when he made you. Um, he knows that what he made was very good. Listen to this verse in Ephesians 1. It's not, it's not in your outline. 
kind of technical phrase here, a couple of, a couple of verses, but it says, in him, we were also chosen. Everybody say chosen. chosen. Man, isn't it nice to be chosen? Right? right? I mean, God looks at, at everything that could be and he chose you. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. And I love that, by the way, and there's a whole, I know we can have lots of arguments and debates and discussion about that word predestined, but here's the thing. It gives me great comfort to know that our God is above everything that we see, and he's in control, and he sees how it's going to work out, and he sees the plan, and he knows the plan for your life, and he chose us according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. All that says God chose you to get to be part of his plan. He created you and he chose you to be part of his plan. When it says that his plan is to work out everything in conformity with his will, you know what that's all about? He created you to be part of the cure for the condition of humanity. He created you to be part of the cure for the condition of humanity. Well, what's the condition of humanity? The condition of humanity is that God made us perfect and he made a perfect world in which there was no sin and evil, but then temptation came and mankind chose evil rather than choosing God in the garden. And so we were separated and now all of mankind has to deal with this thing called sin and there's a sin debt. And without going through all of the story, because of our sin, there had to be an answer. And so God said, all right, I'll come into your world. My son, Jesus, will, will be the answer, the propitiation. He'll give his life to pay the price for your sins. And he'll pay the price and he'll offer you the ransom. He'll say the price has been paid for you. And for you to accept what he wants to offer to you, you have to be willing to let him be the Lord of your life, which means that you have to follow him. You don't get to have the salvation without also getting the Lord. You don't get to have the salvation from sin without Jesus being the Lord of your life. You don't get to be saved from hell and the future and a life without God without letting Jesus be the driver of your life. The human condition is that we're broken but God's not okay with us being broken. And he sent his son into this world to save us. Now the saving has been done. The, the salvation has been completed on Jesus's part. It still remains to us to decide whether or not we're going to accept it. But he has given every one of us who follow him the opportunity to be part of the cure of the human condition. What do you mean by that? Well, there's a funnel, not a literal funnel, but go with me on this imagery. Go with me on the imagery. There's, there's people all over the world who are out there just doing their thing. And God wants to create a funnel that takes them from being outside of God into that funnel that leads them to an encounter with Jesus. And then when they come through that encounter, their lives are never the same. And they go out into the world to do what he's called them to do. Every person who's out there living their own life this morning God wants us to be part of the funnel. What does that look like? Well, for some of you, man, it blesses my heart to see some of the guys that meet with us on Thursday talking about how, how um, I'm talking with these guys about Jesus and we're getting together and we're praying together and we're, we're meeting people and meeting their needs. You know what that is? That's playing your part in the funnel. When you go into your workplace tonight, tomorrow, whatever it is, your testimony, the, the way that you love people, not talking about Compassion Church and wearing your little shirt so you don't ever have to say anything, the way that you love people and then people knowing that you're a follower of Jesus, that's playing your part. 
People out here on the sidewalk as, man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, man, while I'm going to my church, I drive by and blow the horn at y'all crazy people out there on the sidewalk. Hey, praise God, you're going to church, but there's going to be somebody driving by drunk as a hammer on a Sunday morning, been up all night long, and they might not come to church that day because they're too hungover, but they're going to remember that there's a place where they're having some excitement and they might show up next week. Come on, somebody. When you find your place in the funnel, man, you, you, maybe you're at the top and you're getting people in, the, in that vein that's flowing towards Jesus, or maybe you're right at the bottom of them and you're taking their hand and putting it in the hand of the master, wherever you are in the funnel, God created you to do that. You're a, a masterpiece and that's what he created you for. Man, part number two, God created me with a specific purpose. For we are God's workmanship, part two, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I've read that all my life, heard that all my life, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And my mind always goes to the end of that. Oh, to do good work. We're created to do good works, created to do good works, created to do good works. Okay, good. So I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to serve in my church and I'm maybe going to go on a mission trip sometime. And if I see somebody needs something, I'm going to help them to do good works. Yeah, but what about that part in the middle? We are God's uh, workmanship created in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you've had that encounter and your hand has been placed in the hand of the master and you've begun to follow him and give your life to him, you are now a new creation. The old sinful version of you has passed away. It's like water that came down the, the Dan River yesterday. Who even knows where it is now? It has been washed away. And you're a new creation. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. When you gave your life to Jesus and you began to follow him, he created you in him to do good works. You know what that means? Before you became a follower of Jesus, you were living your life on your own. You were separated from God. You think you had the power to do things? Some of y'all would say, yeah, but before I became saved, man, I did some good things. I did this and this and this. Well, good. You're a strong person. You did some things on your own, but you didn't have supernatural power in you. When you became a follower of Jesus, that Holy Spirit of God came on you. When you were saved, the Holy Spirit now began to live inside of you and you have access to all authority in heaven and earth. Created in Christ Jesus means that I'm not who I used to be. I'm not that man. I am now a, a being who has the supernatural power of God in me. And it's, not, it's a, not a matter of whether or not I can do the things that God's calling me to do. It's a matter of whether or not I'm willing to say yes to the things that God's calling me to do. Because whatever he's called me to do, he's equipping me to do. But we won't say yes because we're afraid. We won't say yes because we're on our own agenda. Uh-oh, well, what does that make me? Maybe that makes me a non-practicing Christian. Well, I ain't got time for the things. I ain't got time. Whoa, 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 wait a minute now. Remember when you were crying, squalling, begging, God, please forgive me? He said, I sure will. Get in the car with me and I'm driving now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. What's God saying? What God's saying is, if you are a follower of me, then I'm calling the shots. See, in 2023, I think that sounds kind of vague, but when you go back to reading the book of Matthew, reading Mark, Luke, John, 
When Jesus called those 12 guys to come follow him, what did Peter do? Peter left his wife, mother-in-law, everything he knew, and he went with Jesus. He's calling us to radical obedience. Following Jesus is not, okay, I'm saved, I've been set free, now let me keep doing what I'm doing. No, there's a purpose. He has created you with a specific purpose in mind. There is something that you're supposed to be doing. And my guess is, if I told you right now to close your eyes and think about the thing that God has been calling you to do, by the time I ask you to open your eyes, you would already know what it is. Can I ask you a question? Why are you not doing it already? What's it gonna take? Some of those things have to do with needs that are inside the church. Some of them have nothing to do with church, and it's what God wants you to do in your everyday life, in your family, with your husband, with your wife. You were created with a specific purpose, and God wants to use you. The old you, the before Jesus, was focused on yourself. The new you, the Christian, should be focused on God's plan, on God's will, his plan to rescue those who are lost. One more piece. The puzzle has always needed me to be in place. Last part of Ephesians 2.10. So the verse says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were always meant to be the piece of the puzzle that God created you to do. In advance, he created you to be the piece of the puzzle. How long are you going to not be the puzzle? Anybody ever put a puzzle together and found out that one piece was missing? Oh, man. What, Mark, where's the puzzle piece? Some kid done dropped a box and, yeah, right. What are we doing? Put the whole thing together and a piece is missing. How frustrating is that, right? Um, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In advance of what? He prepared what he would have you do before you were ever born. He prepared in advance what he would have you to do before you ever gave your life to Christ. He prepared in advance what you would do before you stepped into whatever your career or whatever you would say is the meaning, the purpose, the, the centerpiece of your life. He created in advance of all of those things. He created you to play a part in the funnel that would lead other people to Jesus. Are you doing your part or are you only focused on what you want to focus on? You are designed to play a part in the funnel. But what happens when you choose to be the missing piece of the puzzle. What happens when you choose to say, I don't know, I don't know, and hold back and stay back? Well, what would happen if I invited you to come to my home for a meal, but then I chose to not prepare dinner? What would happen if you went to withdraw money from the bank tomorrow or Tuesday, and the banker just decided they were not gonna put the money into the bank? What would happen if you were in a terrible wreck this afternoon, God forbid, and you were carted in the ambulance to, to, the, to the ER and the, the triage nurse and the, the x-ray technician and the ER doctor, all of those people decided I'm not going to work today. What would happen? In each of those scenarios, I'm sure you could come back to me with another scenario of how well something would work out. Someone would step in. It would work. Some, somebody would show up. They would call somebody else. You would come up with a scenario. Well, in this scenario, God has called you, chosen you, tapped you on the shoulder, created you, arranged the, the events of your life. All of the, Your whole life has been leading to doing the thing that he's called you to do. 
And if you choose not to do it, guess what? God can cook up another scenario and he can put somebody else right in your place. And they will receive every blessing that God had created for you to receive. And you will have the opportunity at the end of your life to stand before a holy God, naked as the day you were born. And God says, so what about that no? What about when I had to go to my second string and bring them in because you were too lazy, too afraid to step into what I had for you? Do you want to stand before God and have to answer that? I don't. There's a judgment day coming, folks. There's a judgment for those who have never accepted Christ, and there's a, then there's an accounting that will take place for those of us who are followers of Jesus. What'd you do with your life? Oh, okay, let's run it through the fire, the Word says, and everything that was done for Jesus will come out the other side. Everything that was not done for him will be burned up as ashes. Are you going to have anything to give to the king, or is it just going to be a handful of ashes? God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. So, what do we do with all of that? Well, he saved you because he loves you. This can feel like a whole lot of pounding on you, but it's not pounding on you. It's saying God loves you. And if you've never accepted Jesus, he still loves you. And that's why he brought you here today. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to know that he has a plan for your life. And it's a great plan. And you don't have to be scared of saying yes to Jesus. So what do we do with this? Well, here's the application. Any good sermon is going to have an application point uh, because the point of preaching is not just to hear the word, but to figure out what do I do with it. So how do we put it in practice? Well, here, here's a statement for you to chew on. I am purpose built by God. Everybody say purpose built. I am purpose built by God. I do not have the right to be a non-practicing Christian. I need to step into the purpose that God created me to fulfill. You know, in the typical church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Sometimes it's like that here. Not always. I'm very thankful for our volunteer army. We have a lot of people who, who do a lot of things. But there's also a lot of opportunities. Um, this message is not just about recruiting you to be part of a team. This message is about you understanding and stepping into what God has called you to. So here's where I want to start. Here's where I want to start to land the plane, if you will. Before you can step into any of the purposes that God has for you, before you can begin living in the power that God wants to pour through you, you have to let God live inside of you. And to do that, there has to be a moment of surrender. There has to be a time where you consider these things and say, okay, I know who I am, I know who God is, and I understand that God gave his son, paid the price for my sin, and he's offering me salvation. And for me to accept his offer of salvation, I have to be willing to let Jesus be the Lord. If you were here last week, you heard half a dozen stories of people who have decided to let Jesus be Lord and how he has had that encounter that has led to joy and purpose and fulfillment in their lives. I would tell you, I had the opportunity to begin to follow Jesus at 12 years old, and I've had lots of ups and lots of downs. I've screwed up lots of things, but Jesus has been with me all the way, and he's brought me. Any, any excitement, adventure, joy that's been in my life, Jesus has been at the heart of it. Any misery that's come into my life, I've had a big part of making that happen. What am I saying to you? The best decision that you could ever make is to give your life to Jesus right now. I'm going to ask everybody to stay on your feet, please. 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, holy moment right now. You've heard the message. You've heard the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves lost souls. This morning, if you know that, that you need Jesus to save you and you want to give your life to Christ, would you just reach your hand up in the air? Raise your hand up high in the air. Let me see you. If you want to ask Jesus to save you, Anybody else? Raise your hand. I see one, two, three hands. Keep them up. Don't put them down. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Raise it up high. All right. Those of you who have your hands raised high in the air, I want you to do something for me. I want you to step out of your seat right now. I want you to meet me right down here at the the foot of these steps. Don't think about it. Come on. Come on. You got your hand raised. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right here. Come on down. If you're sitting beside someone who's moving, maybe you want to come down here with them. Offer them support. It's a long, lonely walk down here. Nobody's staying here by themselves. Praise God. Thank you, men. Thankful for you guys coming down. Amen. Amen. Anybody else want to come down and give your life to Christ today? These three men are saying yes to Jesus right now. Yes, Father. Amen. Here comes one more. Amen. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I need somebody to come get behind my friend right here. This man right here, one of you guys, come put a hand on his shoulder. Praise God. Amen. Amen. All right. Church, nobody prays alone today. Nobody prays alone today. Those of you who have come to accept Jesus right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. Would you just, everybody in the church, let's say this out loud together. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Today I place my faith. Today I place my trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Today I am a follower of Jesus. I am no longer lost. I am on the pathway to life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Can we give God a big hand clap of praise right now?